0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Lakemount Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry of Lakemount Worship Center, and we are on a mission to connect young adults to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We meet every Monday night at 7pm, and we'd love to have you join us. You can find more information on our socials, but in the meantime, we hope you enjoy the message for this week. It's already been an amazing night, and it's about to get better. Everybody say, it's better. It's already better. And that is because we have three amazing young adults that are going to come up and give testimonies. It's testimony night. So I'm going to welcome those three, you know who you are, to come up to the stage. (laughs) Woo, yeah, give them a, a hand. So testimony night, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimonies. Each one of these amazing young adults have had and seen God move amazingly in their lives, and they're going to share a little bit of what He's done for them, and just share a little bit of the Word as well with us tonight. So why don't we clap, Amen? Do all the things that help them know, Hey, we're with you, and we agree with you. All right. So first off, is going to be Becky Sopit.
1: hi guys okay so I was practicing for this with my family and they were ruthless I'll tell you that but then my also my mom was also like you have to pause more and I was like I don't have time to pause because we only have 10 minutes but then both Matt and Abby have assured me that theirs is longer than 10 minutes too so (laughs) we're gonna be fine (laughs) So like Levi said, we're going to be just sharing a little bit of our testimony, how we became disciples of Jesus, and then what we do to maintain closeness with Jesus throughout our day-to-day lives and when things um, get difficult. So for those of you who don't know, the Lord has done a great work in my life. I grew up in really painful circumstances, which led me to develop drug and alcohol and relational addictions during my teen years and my young adult years. So it got so bad that my family urged me to seek professional help at a rehabilitation center. So I ended up going to the States for a few years to attend a Christian rehabilitation center there. And going to this place was, it completely changed my life. The Lord was so faithful and he completely saved me. So I became a Christian relatively early on at my time at this center. um, But I definitely wouldn't call myself a disciple of Jesus until a couple months later. So my relationship with Jesus was always characterized between having one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. I love Jesus, but I would reject him if he asked me to do anything that I didn't want to do. I would follow him, but I didn't wanna give up any of my unhealthy relationships, gossiping, self-harming, and a myriad of other life-controlling issues. So about three months into my time at this program, some painful circumstances happened on campus um, that ended up in several residents being asked to leave, and they, they went home. And I once again took my trust out of the Lord's hand and placed it into my, my own hands, which ended me up in the hospital for the weekend. And the Lord spoke to me so clearly during my time here. And he said, Becky, it is time for you to choose. You either need to wholeheartedly choose the world or choose me. You can't have one foot in either camp anymore. And clearly, I was not in a position to choose the world. All of my choices when I didn't want Jesus had wound me up almost dead multiple times. So I was like, all right, Lord. If you're saying I have to choose you or the world, I'm going to choose you. So during that weekend, I vowed to follow him. I vowed to finish the program because I was also humming and hawing about whether I wanted to stay there or not. But I was like, all right, Lord, this is me and you. I'm all in. So I went on to graduate this program and I had the honor of being able to stay for a few years and help other residents that came after me. But I learned through this precious encounter with Jesus that after he had shown me his goodness in the truth of who he was, the choice then became mine to live out of this truth. And we always have a choice of whether we choose Jesus or not. So in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 to 6, it says, By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. By whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. And this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked. So, when I came back from rehab and started to get my life back on track, one thing my therapist would hammer home to me every time we would meet would be the agency that I held to make the right decision. So whenever I would have a hard week and things were difficult and I wasn't doing well, she would say, okay, Becky, let's look at the suds, the seemingly unimportant decisions. That was able to put me, the responsibility back on me so I could see how I could make these small decisions that would either lead me towards Jesus or away from him. Nothing happens in a vacuum. We always make these small decisions and these small decisions end up being our larger life choices. So the same goes with being a disciple. Our small decisions will either make us a more committed disciple or a less committed one. Now, we all know that the world does not have a standard of truth. Everyone says that truth is subjective and you can sort of do what you want as long as it feels right. And the Bible also talks about this too. In Judges 17, it says that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that pretty much sounds about where we're at right now. But Jesus says that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So I have to choose to believe that or not. I can't be half in or half out. So I would just want to talk about three ways that I practically choose to be a disciple of Christ every day. The first way is that I watch over my emotions and I remind myself of the truth. So if anyone has had a conversation with me for more than 45 seconds, you will know that I am someone who experiences big emotions. It is a lot more common for me to be on top of the world or underneath it than just walking across it. So I have had to learn as I've matured in my faith how to have emotional regulation and recognize that I still have a choice in how I act regardless of how I'm feeling. So this past couple weeks, I have been waiting for a job that I thought was my dream job. And this organization that I was interviewing with makes staffing decisions really slowly. So it was a very long process. And last Monday night, I'm worshiping the Lord. And we were singing, Christ is my firm foundation. He's the rock on which I stand. I'm all in. 100% believe that. And then on Tuesday morning, I get an email and I didn't get the job. And I was so devastated. But I'm talking to myself and I'm like okay last night I was praying these words and I was worshiping this song to Jesus and is that still true this morning even when my circumstances are now pretty crappy so I put both feet on my flo- on the floor because it's good to ground yourself in these situations and the first person that I talked to about this was Jesus I asked him two questions I said are you with me and he says yes And I say, are you my rock? And he says, yes. And then he asks me one question back. And he's asked me this so many times before. And the question is, do you trust me? And in this moment when I'm in pain, if my answer is no, I have to choose to stay with him and work out why this is my answer. What is coming up that I'm feeling like I don't trust you, even though I know these are the truths about you? But no matter what it is, the further I've gotten in my faith and the more secure I've gotten in who he is, the faster that I can come back to him with a yes. It would have been so easy to call my family or call my friends or all the people who I know are in my corner to seek comfort in them amidst this devastating news. But I've learned that the faster that I turn to Jesus and ask him these two questions and allow him to ask this question back of me, the faster I'm able to return back to a place of security under his wing and under his authority. Jesus calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. And he also calls himself the wonderful counselor and the prince of peace. So if the prince of peace is asking me to turn to him, he is the one that I want to be turning to because he literally has peace in his name. And I know that I am not going to find the peace that I'm looking for anywhere other than him. Number two... I watch over what I consume. So I am very cautious since becoming a disciple of Christ, what I'm consuming, because I know that what I consume is going to affect my choices. So when I just graduated from Brock University and when I started at Brock, um, I was so excited and I go into all my classes and then I realized, oh, my goodness, so much of what they are teaching here is directly contradictory to what the Bible says. And I had a bit of a panic and I'm like, oh my goodness, what if the Bible's wrong and this professor's right and I had a bit of a wobble. But anyways, my, <laughs> my friend told me, very wise friend said, Becky, you are going to be discipled by something in this world. Choose what you are discipled by. So we are discipled by what we, are, what we consume. We were just made that way. So when I was consuming music and TV shows and movies that promoted sexual sin and partying and making bad decisions, that was the message that I was putting into my heart and into my mind. And the Bible says that the heart is the wellspring of life. So if we're putting these things into our hearts, we are muddying up that wellspring. So I have a question now that I ask myself. And I am posing it to you to also ask yourselves this. Would I listen to this song or would I watch this video with Pastor Matt or Lisa? <laughs> and if the answer is no, then why am I watching this? <laughs> and why am I consuming this? And why am I allowing myself to be discipled by this thing that is not producing life in my life? So the Lord has created us Too intricately for us to be so naive that to think that what we consume does not affect our hearts. Being a disciple, I've learned, is just as much saying no to things as it is saying yes to Jesus. And as someone who has walked, down a pretty destructive path, I can honestly say that choosing Jesus is so much better than anything else that there is to offer. He just always is so much more constant and so much more faithful. So this might mean saying no to going out with friends who get drunk, saying no to watching a movie that has really explicit scenes, or to going to a concert with lyrics that promote lifestyles that lead to death. But guarding our heart is our responsibility not God's. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. We are responsible for guarding our own hearts. God does not guard our hearts for us. He protects us and he leads us, but we have a choice about what we are putting into our minds and into our hearts. The third way that I um, am becoming more of a disciple of Jesus is that I watch over the environments that I'm in and who I spend my time with. This in my experience is either the largest benefit or hindrance to quality discipleship. The phrase, show me your friends and I'll show you your future is super well-known and it's also very accurate. So when I got back from rehab, I had to cut off every single person in my life that wasn't my family because all of those people were leading me straight to death. I had to choose Jesus And I had to choose people who were choosing Jesus. Psalm 122 verse 1 is one of my favorite psalms. And it says, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. These are the type of people that I would recommend you getting in your life. Get around people who are joining life groups, who are getting rooted in the local church. People that you can do life with closely Get people around you who will notice when you are missing from church and who are noticed when you're struggling. And this also means that I would encourage you to become a friend who notices when your people are missing and who notices when your friends are struggling. Because those little texts and those little check-ins do so much more for our friendships than than we realize. I have also become very picky about who I turn to for advice now. And who I share with when I'm feeling far from the Lord. A lot of people are really good at empathizing and saying, oh me too, I'm struggling as well and that's so hard. And although that this is helpful sometimes, it is more important to be sharing with people who are going to actually push you closer to Jesus. People who are going to remind you of who Jesus is and who you were when you didn't have him. So something that I ask my close friends to ask me is, have you talked to the Lord about this? What does the Lord think about this? Because then it forces me to be honest about whether I'm avoiding him in this painful situation. Now, I am human, which means that I am fickle and I can be weak. So I need to surround myself with people who are chasing after Jesus and who can carry me when I'm feeling weak. Pastor Matt said this a few months ago in a sermon and he said, we cannot do what only God can do, but God will not do what we must do. God is not going to knock that drink out of your hand. He's not going to delete that person's number. He's not going to put duct tape over your mouth to stop you from gossiping. <laughs> but he has given us everything that we need to do to make these decisions ourselves. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. I have learned that finding a way out of temptation means that putting healthy boundaries when I'm doing well is something that is so important. Because I think that I don't need them when I'm doing well, but then when I start struggling, I'm so grateful that they're there. If we have these boundaries up and we have the Holy Spirit to guide us, we have his word to tell us what to do. We have all the agency and the power to choose to make the right decision and to flee from temptation. So I want to leave you with this question. What is one thing that you must do today to deepen your discipleship with Jesus?
0: So good. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Becky. Next we have Matt Reed. Give it up for Matt.
2: Wait, this is only two minutes. minutes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just want you to preach really fast. Wrap it.
2: Okay, thank you so much. So yeah, my name is Matt, um, and just a heads up, I've got a lot I want to say, and so if it feels like I'm just skipping from one thought right to the next, that is what I'm doing, (laughs) and I'm not going to even try and transition. So okay, my story, I'll start uh, kind of going back five years. um, When I showed up to Brock University, Uh, for my first year of school, I was excited to I kind of experienced all that university had to offer and my first time living on my own. And so I'd grown up in a Christian home. I had gone to church every Sunday, gone to youth group every Friday night with my friends. And I believed in Jesus. And I believed, I always believed that he had died for my sins. But it was a really surface level belief. And so it didn't go much deeper than that. And so I, coming into university, I had kind of made this little box for myself And said that here's a few things that God has told me I can't do, and kind of everything else outside of that is fair game for me to enjoy. And so I kind of launched into first year uh, with that mindset, and the decisions I was making based off of that were leading in two different paths um, making decisions that were honoring God, and then making decisions that were just kind of what I wanted to do and what I thought would be fun. And so as the year goes on, Uh, these two decisions and these two paths start to really frustrate each other because the decisions that I'm making to do what I want are making me kind of annoyed at God that he's not letting me do more of what I want. And then the decisions to follow God are making me annoyed uh, or feeling guilty about the things I'm doing or annoyed at the people that are involved in those decisions. And so one day I'm in uh, my best friend's house and his mom just... Bought him this book, and it was sitting out on a counter. And so I picked it up and I started reading it. And it's talking all about uh, love and sex and and all of that stuff from a Christian point of view. And so I started flipping through this, and it's talking about a lot more than that. And uh, the Holy Spirit really used that book to convict me of the ways that I was living um, and kind of call me out on the ways that there was discrepancies between what I was professing I believed and how I was living. Um, And so at the end of the book, there was a challenge to take one year of being intentionally single and just use that time to grow and focus on your faith and some of the things in the book that I learned uh, to really take that time to grow in that. So along with one of my friends, I decided to take that step, and it was really a decision to turn around from the way I was living and walk back towards God. And so today, I want to very, very, very quickly go through five Ways that I practically have grown in my faith, just five disciplines. And then I want to talk about, uh, spend the last few minutes on some of the ways that, uh, or some of the struggles that I've faced along the way. So the first thing that I, uh, that really worked in my life to help me grow was getting to know what the Bible said. And so what I realized was that there was this kind of false set of rules that I made up for myself that made me feel good about myself but they didn't make any sense. And so I'll give you a few examples. I thought I was a really good person because I didn't have sex, but I was totally okay with all this other sexual sin in my life. I thought I was really good because I didn't swear, but I was okay to gossip and to talk about lots of things that were dishonoring to God. I thought I was really good because I went to church every Sunday, but I would be out partying every Friday and Saturday before And so, as I started to read the Bible, I started to learn uh, not only who God is and what I believed, but I started to learn what He was calling me to in my life. And so, I learned He didn't, it wasn't about just not having sex, it was about seeking after purity in my life. It wasn't just about not swearing, but it was about not letting any unwholesome talk come out of my mouth. So, that's number one. Number two was spending time in the morning in prayer, listening to God, journaling, that sort of stuff, reading my Bible. Uh, So that started in my life as uh, 15 minutes in the morning. uh, And it felt like a really long time that I had to put myself through. But over time, I started to see how good it was. And, you know, eventually it was an hour every morning and it went by so quickly. And um, I would totally be able to notice the days that I didn't do it because I just wasn't living the way I wanted to live. I wasn't being kind to people the way I wanted to do that. Um, So that was another huge thing. The third thing was community. God blessed me with some really good friends uh, that were all going through the same thing kind of around the same time. And so we were able to meet kind of on a weekly basis and encourage each other and pray for each other, confess to each other, and also just have fun and enjoy life together. Uh, Number four, was getting involved in a local church. And so for me, that was this church. Um, And being able to find a place where you can serve um, and also be strengthened by the other believers around you is so important. Um, And the fifth one is a little bit different. Um, And this one is about finding things that make you love God more. And so for me, uh, sitting outside in the morning with a cup of coffee or around a campfire late at night with friends, those things just really stir my heart for God. It makes me really happy. It makes me feel close to God. And so trying to do as much of those things as I could. So that brings me to my final part, and I've got four minutes left. So at this point, I would like us to go to the Bible. You don't have to flip there because we might not have time, but I'm going to read a story from Mark chapter 10. So this is the story of the rich young ruler. You've probably heard it before. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And so from this text tonight, I want to draw out three different struggles that I have faced and that other people often face in their journey of discipleship. The first one is pride. And so here we see uh, the rich young ruler was putting a lot of pride in the way that he was living. He was checking all the boxes. He was doing the right things. Um, and so for me, what I found was as I began to follow Jesus, I started to see this change in my life. I started to see change in my behavior. And there started to be pride that I noticed in my heart. And so that was not something I wanted. And I want to give you guys each uh, one to two verses for each of these three uh, points that I have. And this is a verse that was super helpful for me. It when I was struggling with pride. So it comes from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9 to 10. And this is Apostle Paul speaking. He says, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So this verse is great because... Paul doesn't undermine or diminish the things that God has done in his life, but he gives the credit to God. The second thing I want to draw out of this passage is the struggle of fear. And so specifically the fear of approaching God because we feel like he's going to be angry or disappointed in us. And so what I want to do is talk to you about God's heart towards you. And so in the passage, we see before Jesus tells him that he has to go sell everything and follow him, It says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. And so we see that he wasn't saying this out of a place of anger or out of a place of being amazing and being like, you're terrible. He said this out of a place of love to the guy. And so, again, here I want to give you two verses uh, to talk about God's heart. So the first one is from John 6, verse 37. It says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. The second verse this is in Exodus, uh, when God passes before Moses. He says to him, this is God describing himself. He says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. I think this is important because this is God's, the first words he's using to describe himself when he's describing himself to Moses is merciful and gracious. I have a few seconds left. Um, but I paused it so it won't go off. Okay, final thing. I'm almost done. Is the struggle of, um, I, I guess, the difficulty to give up what you're holding on to, to surrender what you don't want to let go of in order to follow Jesus. And so here we see, very literally, the rich young man cannot give up the wealth that he has. He can't give it up to follow Jesus. And what's interesting is, a few verses later, I'll just summarize it, Um, Peter one of his disciples says what about us Jesus we've given up everything to follow you and Jesus basically says to him you know nobody that gives up anything in this world will fail to receive a hundredfold now and in the age to come eternal life and so pastor Matt preached on this a few months ago I think about Peter and how if you weren't here Peter got this huge big catch of fish and really it was like the peak of his career and Jesus called him to leave that and follow him and we get to see on this side of history how if he had just stayed with those fish it would have been nothing compared to the life that he went on to live with Jesus and so I want to give you again two verses for this Um, the first is from 1st John chapter 5 verse 3 says for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments And his commandments are not burdensome. Now, what I love about this verse is we see it so many times in the Bible, the first part, but this one gives that extra little insight saying his commands are not burdensome. And finally, Psalm chapter 16, just the last few verses, goes, "'Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption.'" You make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I think that language of pleasures forevermore um, and fullness of joy, that's something that nothing else that we experience on earth can be described as that other than relationship with God. And so for me, when I made that decision five years ago to start following God fully, to go all in, I've been able to experience true peace and true joy uh, and true contentment. And so I want to invite you guys today, uh, if there's if you've never made that decision, I want to invite you to make that, to let go of whatever it is you're holding on to and go all in with him. And if you have made that decision, uh, I would just invite you to look again at your life and see if there's anything else that you feel like you're holding on to because Jesus is calling you to let go of it. And he's not just calling you to let go of it, but he's calling you to something so much greater that nothing you give up in this world to follow him, none of that will not be worth it. And so, thank you. Yeah, give a hand for Matt Reed. That was great. That was great.
0: Sensing a real theme of can't follow the world and follow Jesus at the same time. It's really good. All right, last but not leastly, my wife, Abby Klattenberg. Give a hand.
3: Young adults, how's it going? Come on. (laughs) I'm excited to be here. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to share a little bit of my testimony. So I gave my heart to the Lord when I was the ripe age of three years old. It was a little taut. And I don't remember life aside from uh, knowing Jesus. And um, there's been lots of different seasons in my life and opportunities where um, I felt like my faith kind of was tested. And I had this choice to either run to the Lord or run towards the world and give up my faith. And so the first time that that happened for me in my life was when I was 11. And my sister was diagnosed with cancer. And I remember my parents sitting us down on the couch and telling us this news. And I felt like my childhood just ended in that moment. Like there was just a complete shift in my life. Um, and the way that I thought about the future was different. And I remember just um, going up to my room after my parents had told us that news. And um, I just was really mad at God, to be honest. I was like, what is going on? I don't understand how this can happen. Like, what did we do to, de- to deserve this? Like, what did my sister do to deserve this? What about like, you know, I thought you were a good God. And I felt like in this moment, I had the opportunity to either um, give up my faith and the experiences that I'd had with the Lord that Um, I knew he was good, I knew that he was real, and he had shown himself faithful to me my whole life. Um, Or I could have just, yeah, I could have run away from that. And so I remember making a vow to the Lord, and I said, no matter what happens, no matter how this journey turns out, I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life, and I'm going to be better coming out of this than I was walking into it. And so ever since then, um, no matter what I've faced in my life, And there's been lots of things. Um, I have a resolute um, understanding and awareness that God is who he says he is. He's good and he's faithful and he's true. And so I just want to give you a couple of keys that have just helped me in my uh, walk with Christ and in, in becoming a disciple. So number one, walk with the wise and become wise. Proverbs 13.20 says, The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. So like Becky was saying earlier, you become who you hang out with, so choose very wisely. Who you surround yourself with is not just circumstantial. um, It's very intentional, so choose wisely the people that you invite in for counsel and wisdom and mentorship And I would um, highly recommend finding a mentor that is ahead of you in life, that you deeply admire, and that is well-rounded. So look for somebody that um, doesn't just tick a box that you can respect, but that has character that is well-rounded in all the spheres of life that they occupy. Because if you choose somebody who's wise in one area and foolish in another, that foolishness is going to come into the counsel that they give you. And so it's really important to pick somebody who uh, is integral and has great character. Um, And with this, get into a local church. I cannot urge you enough. Being in a local church is so important. Um, We're put into a body so that we can grow together and in becoming a disciple of Christ, don't get swept swept up in the lie that you're self-sufficient and that you can do this on your own. You can't. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing to be a part of the body. And so a sheep left on his own is vulnerable to getting swept away and hurt and confusion and brokenness or false truths. And so because of that, we're put together in a body so that we can be sharpened and be more effective. And so get yourself plugged in somewhere, please. <laughs> um, yeah, the church is what God is building. So be a part of that. That's what Jesus said. He said, I'm building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So put yourself in the church because you can always be sure that um, the Lord is gonna be in that. Number two, get a revelation of his fullness and his goodness. Matthew 6:33 says, "But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you." And Matthew 7:7 7, 7 to 9 and 11 says, "Ask and it will be given to you; seek and you will find; knock and the door will be opened to you; for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened." Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those that ask him? Um, So our seasons that we walk through in life and the feelings that come with that can become an idol if we're not careful. We can have this view of God that gets shifted because of what we walk through. We can... um, choose to look at God through the lens of our experience or our brokenness and we can put that on him but I would urge you with everything inside of you have like a resolute um, passion to see the Lord for who he is and who he reveals himself to be, because you will never be disappointed in God and you'll never be disappointed in yourself for seeking his face fully, not for seeking his face in the image that we want to make it in or in the way that our season might want to interpret who we think God to be. Um, Understanding the process of discipleship is knowing that everything begins and ends with the Lord and nothing else will satisfy you. God is good and he's fully good. He's peace and he's fully peace. He's hope and he's fully hope. And so understanding and seeking him, getting a revelation of his fullness will keep you steadfast because in every season of life, whether you're lacking peace, you know who to run to. If you're lacking hope, you know who to run to. If you're lacking provision, you know who to run to because you understand who God is. Yeah. Number three, build your life on his word. Psalms 1, 2 to 3 says, instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. And 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We become like what we consume, so we can consume our seasons. We can consume books about what other people think about God. We can consume podcasts. And none of those things are inherently wrong, but it's so important that we seek first his kingdom. And God reveals himself through his word, and his word is sufficient, and it will never fail. And so um, it's so important that in the process of discipleship that you find yourself in his word, because his word is not going to lead you astray um, where other people's opinions can. So, Yeah. In reading the word, if that's a challenge for you, ask Holy Spirit to lead and guide and breathe upon scriptures because it's living and active. Allow God to transform, change, and convict you and allow the Lord to minister and speak to you. Give him space after you read to, for him to speak and really inform you of what that scripture is saying. We allow as disciples the word to transform us and the Holy Spirit to convict us. So we don't settle our theology where we feel stretched or confused. We build our life on the word, which means that we let his truth transform our lives, not the other way around. Matthew 7:24 to 27 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose. And number four, if the band wants to come up, that would be awesome. Lay down questions, fears, and burdens at the cross, and don't pick them back up. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30 says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I'm lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus can take, whoa, wasn't paying attention. (laughs) Jesus can take our burdens and our sins, and he can take our weariness, he can take our depression, he can take our anxiety, and we get to put on his yoke, and we get to put on his burden and replacement for what we carry into that place. You can't carry the fullness of God's burden or his yoke if you don't put off yourself at the cross. And so you can't carry two things at once. So it's important that if you feel clothed in in what you're walking through to take that off and know that Jesus is trustworthy and he's paid fully for everything that you need. He didn't pay so that you could have half a salvation or half freedom or just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. He paid for it all on the cross. And so you can be absolutely sure with 100% confidence that as you cast your cares upon him, that he will give you more of himself every time. And this is a continual thing in in life with Christ is... um, with every experience, with every season, with every pain, with everywhere that we feel lack, coming daily to the Lord and putting that upon him so he can give us himself. And as he as as we get to carry his yoke and burden, we will inevitably become more and more like him as we walk in what he has on us and not what the world would want to put on us. So there's gonna be seasons that you're challenged In your discipleship, and your walk with God. I have been there, and I just want to implore you not to give up. Don't settle for a view of God that is different than who he is because things get hard. Um, If there's anything that I could give away from my life, it would be that passion, that Um, seeking the Lord fully and seeking his face and his character fully will never disappoint you. And so, you know, there's different seasons in life where you're going to feel angry or confused or like, God, I don't understand this. Bring him your questions and your burdens, and I I promise you he'll show himself faithful. Yeah. So if you guys just all want to stand, and if the lead team wants to come up for prayer, Um, if there's anybody in here that just, if you guys want to close your eyes, that feels like um, there's just things that you want to to give to the Lord, whether it's, you know, coming to right relationship with God, maybe you've been in a season that's been really challenging and you're you're wrestling with the character of God, knowing if he's good or if he is who he says he is. If there's anything that you just want agreement with in prayer, the lead team is going to be up here at the front, um, ready and available to pray for you guys. But I just want to pray as you guys are released. So God, I just thank you for who you are. God, I just thank you for the beautiful gift of salvation. I thank you for all of the testimonies that have come forth this evening and God, we just thank you that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the power and the word of our testimony. And so, God, I just pray that that you would just come into this room, Lord, and that you would just save, that you would heal, that you would deliver. God, I just pray that for anyone in here that came in carrying heaviness or burdens or any sense that just is like, I don't know what to do, God. Like, this is my last shot. God, I just pray that you would break every heavy thing over people in this room tonight and that you would just place your yoke and your burden that is easy and light upon people in this room. I just pray that there would be freedom that we walk in from here on out, that we would never trade for anything in this world. And God, I just pray that, um, yeah, you would show yourself faithful to people in this room. If people have thought, I've never experienced the goodness of God. I pray, Lord, that you would just um, show yourself strong and faithful to them and illuminate to them where you have been faithful, where you've been present, where you've been protecting and leading and guiding them. In Jesus' name.
0: Wow, that's so good. So if there is anything that you feel like Holy Spirit is doing in your heart right now. If there's anything that's coming to your mind and just even things that you're holding on to. If you're in a place where you feel like you're holding on to um, even bitterness towards God because of something that has happened in the past or if you're holding on to sin um, and you feel like that's been something that's been hard to let go of whatever it is, whatever's coming to your mind, I just encourage you to, if if you want prayer right now, to come to the front because now is the time. If there's conviction in your heart, Holy Spirit's doing something, um, I just encourage you to come forward, get prayer, and because God can do healing work in these times with, with our yes. When we say yes to God, that's when things change. When we push things to the side, that's when... God has a really hard time getting in there because we have a choice. Like, like Becky was saying, we have the choice. God's given us the ability and the power to choose. And so if there's any, um, thing that you're feeling right now, I just encourage you to the, come to the front. Um, if not, we release you to go. The altar's going to be open. Um, prayer team's going to be up here to pray. Um, but you're free to go um, otherwise. So we just thank you, young adults, We thank you for being here. We thank you for your faithfulness. And we just appreciate each one of you. Thanks for listening to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. For more information, please visit us at lakemount.ca or follow us on Instagram at lakemountya. Have an amazing week and we hope to see you soon.